And now, our feature presentation. Hey, hey, welcome to another edition of Feature Presentation. I'm your co-host, Frankie Fermanti. With me today are my other co-hosts, Chris Perkowski. How's it going? And Mike Hawkins. Not great. <laughs> uh, today we're here to talk about the found footage kaiju mashup, uh, one that is beloved by my co-hosts and one that I found a deeper appreciation for on this rewatch, 2008's Cloverfield. Uh, so let's get into it. Guys, what do you got on background on the background of Cloverfield? Well, Frank, that is a loaded question because there is so much background that could be discussed on Cloverfield. There is such a wide net cast by the ARG, the alternate reality game that was created for this movie. There's websites upon websites upon fake corporations with various subsidiaries and eco-terrorist groups and seabed nectar and Japanese drinks like slusho. And there's, there's such a bevy of ARG information that initially going into this, I wanted to try to convey my love for it by trying to cram as much of it as possible into the episode. But the problem is it, it took place over months. It's so detailed. There's so much to discuss. There's a great video on YouTube that I had watched to jog my memory by. I want to say the fellow's name is Danny B. If it's not, we'll link it on our socials that we'll plug at the end of the show. So you have to wait till the end of the episode now to find out where the video is. And it was very informative. It's a great way of summarizing it, much better than I could do. Also, granted, the video is 30 minutes. But there's characters in this ARG that are then appearing in the opening scenes of the film. There's addictive Japanese drinks with the secret ingredient of seabed nectar. Slusho appears in... Chris, help me out here. In, in Alias... Uh, Lost, I think. Super Eight. Super Super it's, Eight. It's in pretty uh, Star Trek. It's in Star all Trek. of J.J. Abrams' stuff. Heroes. Yeah. It may or may not even be in Kenan and Kel. Mm-hmm. There's varied reports that it may or may not be the same slush show, but there are some people that accept that as there a continuity. Is, yeah, there is confirmed. There is a scene of Kenan and Kel where Bill Clinton comes into. Uh, the supermarket and that Keenan works at and says that he loves him a slusho. So that I, that he does say that, but obviously we don't know if it's the same slusho as the one here in Cloverfield, but uh, we'll say it's canon. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. We'll say that Keenan and Kel were invited to Rob's going away party, but they were too busy having to work for that guy whose name I forget. Chris. Kel, Chris, of course. <laughs> uh, what a weird name. It's an awful and name. The uh, the slusho man and and there's so much. There's yeah. so much to get into. I would love to. It's gonna and we're be gonna right now. Okay. It all started <laughs> for the next forty minutes. Here we go. So let's get into the movie. Let Let's just jump in. I guess right. Okay. Let's go. Let's go right so, into it. The movie the major... opens up. Go. Yeah. Oh, go. Well, go well, ahead. One of the... In terms of background, like in, one of the major things as to why it even existed, J.J. Uh, Abrams thought that uh, a new thought of thought up a new monster after he and his son visited a toy store in Japan while he was promoting Mission Impossible Three. Uh, he explained, "We saw all these Godzilla toys, and I thought we need our own American monster, and not like King Kong. I love King Kong. 
King Kong is adorable and Godzilla is a charming monster. We love Godzilla, but I wanted something that was just insane and intense. And this is what we got. And boy, did we. Yeah. That, that sentiment from JJ hits home for me so much being raised such a big kaiju fan. I'm surrounded right now. I have directly above this computer that you guys are seeing me through is a huge Shin Godzilla print. I've got a giant creature from the Black Lagoon wooden head there. I've got another Godzilla print directly behind me. There's a shelf there with Godzilla stuff. The The idea of wanting to bring that to the U.S. is something that that hits home for me so much and is why I was so immediately infatuated by the idea of this movie. And that's why I was so interested when there were all these rumblings in late 2008, mid-2007, mid, mid not late 2008. That doesn't make sense. In mid-2007, mm-hmm. there were all these rumblings about J.J. Abrams having some sort of new film. There was the gossip that the trailer was going to be attached to the Michael Bay Transformers film. Now, of course, I was very excited for Michael Bay Transformers in wasn't? summer of 2007. Also, I, I kind of stand by the idea that Michael Bay Transformers, the first one, is good. I think, it one, might be a, I think it might be a strong movie. First yeah, okay, I I didn't yeah. know if that I didn't know if that was an un- uncommon opinion. Or not. And it all just it all just completely falls apart afterwards. I mean, and it's yeah. and it's only good because of Bernie Mac. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, he's the, incredible uh, in it. I, I'm here to say right now, uh, the rest of the Transformer movies probably suck, but I like I think all of them. There might Beetle be one G- I don't like. Bumblebee is very fun. <laughs> Bumblebee's fun, but I, I'm talking I, like did you the say Mike- Beetlejuice. I did say Beetlejuice. <laughs> I did say Beetlejuice. The famous Transformer Beetlejuice. I can't say it another time. I said it twice. I mean, I kind of want Michael Bay's Beetlejuice now. Oh, that was three times. Oh, no, no. It has to be from the same person. Oh, sorry. So we're at two, two, and one. We're okay right now. Anyways. So I was very excited to go see uh, Transformers. And upon seeing it, there is a trailer. There's a mysterious trailer. It opens with scenes of a party it looks like it might be some sort of fun new comedy mm-hmm. and then there's a big rumbling things get serious and you're left with the date 11808 no title no nothing mm-hmm. 11808 that's it of course that's also what set off the ARG 11808.com pictures and whatnot that's what really got everybody rolling yeah and and the site is still up i believe is that correct mike or am i crazy cuz i remember maybe a year ago going on it I believe it was up around the time of 10, 10 Cloverfield Lane. I don't know if it still is. I tried to go to the Cloverfield files earlier today, and that's no longer up. Hmm. That just redirects to Paramount Pictures now. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it does not look like 11808 is loading. RIP. But, uh, you know, ooh, uh, 406 locked, and it's a bunch of Japanese uh, stuff. Uh, God damn. That, yeah. Uh oh. Tagrato. That legitimately could be though. But that's uh, the thing. They could have held on to the domain yeah. and keep it inactive. But that's what they did of, for a while. Yeah. One of the major things um that was on the the ARG, like Mike said, was a bunch of pictures and stuff. You could you could rub your mouse over the picture and it would show you a bunch of stuff. Uh it would show you like Beetlejuice. <gasps> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Hey, everybody! Hey, I'm the ghost of the most. Uh, 
I can't I can't do a Beetlejuice further than Ghost with the most. Chris, so, let's hear it. I mean, uh, Frank, you're Frank. Let's I, hear it. I'm dressed like him. We're good. I'm wearing purple <laughs> and green, baby. That's my impression. Yeah, uh, Frank is recording in a striped suit. Um, and drinking uh, drinking Beetlejuice's signature drink, Diet Dr. Pepper. Oh, I thought um, it was going to be Slusho. <laughs> no free ads. Yeah, so exactly. So there's a there's a whole um, there, just the ARG is so incredibly vast and in depth and well thought out that exactly we're, we'll link the the entire video. We'll talk about important stuff throughout the plot that may go back to the ARG, but uh, in terms of ARG talk, it, it it would have to be its own podcast in itself, which I would love. Yeah. But, and, and, and I think, I think Mike, like you said, like the, you know, uh, or maybe you didn't touch on it, but like the, there's so many Reddit threads throughout uh, the Cloververse subreddit talking in depth about everything that was in the ARG that like somebody could literally write a full book about the ARG. Um, there's so much detail and so much to talk about. Um, and that, that's kind of what makes this movie so incredible and makes it, more than just a monster movie to a lot of people who followed along with the ARG. Um, but yeah. And I know Chris, th- this is very much a, a, a niche throwaway comment that most people listening aren't going to understand, but this also surely explains so much of my love for Chikara pro wrestling. Oh, absolutely. And, and all because they studied this model and, and did the exact same thing. Yeah. You and I have had many a car ride in which you spent, an hour and a half explaining uh convoluted shikara storylines uh and like the the depth and what like people coming to drop off like uh like people dressed up coming to people's houses to like knock on the door uh for an evil like management that like condor security man uh it's so it's so crazy so the trailer is out People figure out it's Cloverfield. Well, actually, even before people figure out that it's Cloverfield, there's a line in the trailer, which is also in the film, but in the film, it's said by HUD, TJ Miller. And in the trailer, it's just said by a passerby. And that is the line, I saw it, it's alive, it's huge. And that led to so much wild speculation. A lot of people misheard the line. Yes, and they thought it was, I saw it, it's a lion. It's huge. And this led to plenty of speculation that this was J.J. Abrams' long-rumored serious Voltron film. Which would have been incredible. <laughs> I mean, it would be pretty cool. I mean, I, I don't see how that trailer could have meant Voltron at all, but it would be cool. There was talk that, it, that the monster was just a big lion, which mm-hmm. would have been bad. Yeah, very bad. Imagine it, just this entire movie, but just edit in a giant lion instead of the monster. It would have been like when they tried to make different Godzillas all those years in Japan. It would be the American version. Okay, instead of a big monkey, hear me out. Giant lion. <laughs> Let's do it. It would have been like that vibe where it's just like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Just law of diminishing returns, except they mm-hmm. all diminished the first fucking time. Yeah. It's also good that you mentioned Godzilla because that was another rumor too. That Is this a new that it was That Godzilla? it was J.J. Abrams' Godzilla, yeah. Which I, I remember I remember specifically that being a, a big one was that J.J. Abrams was making a Godzilla movie. So there, there was tons of speculation. Eventually, more information rolled out, another trailer. Come 1-1808, it's time. It's Cloverfield, baby. So 
do we just jump right into the movie? Sure. And I want to say quickly, like in, in terms of, uh, you know, Mike and my friendship, uh, Cloverfield is one of the first things that we bonded over. I don't even remember how it came up. I think we were hanging out one time and you probably just said, hey, do you like Cloverfield? And I said, yeah, I, I do. Do you like Cloverfield? And you were like, yeah. And I had not talked to anybody since it came out. This was probably like six years after Cloverfield came out. I hadn't spoken to anybody about how much I liked Cloverfield because nobody liked, like nobody I knew liked Cloverfield that much. It was a very like niche thing after it came out. It did very well, but like nobody talked about it. I've got to tell you, you know, there's times I don't remember things, Mm -hmm. but I do have a, a fairly clear recollection of that exact day of us just sitting in my living room and just somehow Cloverfield coming up and it just setting off a a tirade Mm -hmm. and just going into, I believe the wee hours of the morning. I think this was like a, like a 2 a.m. night, just ranting about Cloverfield. About how cool Cloverfield was, the ARG. I'm sure Uh, I pulled up YouTube videos. Yeah. Some charts, maybe a pie graph. It just started yeah, and, I, and, and I was like Mike I really have to go and you're like wait 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 just one more video wait wait the seabed nectar you have to hear about the seabed nectar bold futura you have to hear about them which also by the way just because who knows if bold futura the Tagurato corporation mm-hmm. subsidiary is going to come up again mm-hmm. I do want to mention that bold futura who is the company responsible for the exploration of the or, or the recovery rather of the chimpanzee satellite mm. that crashes. Mm-hmm. Bold Futura is the company that Howard Stambler works for in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yes. And I just wanted to throw that out there as a nice little bit of uh, universe building. Of yeah. course, as the Cloverfield Paradox taught us, I guess it's just alternate realities or something. I don't know. Yeah. But the Cloverfield Lane, we will certainly talk about at another time on please. its own episode. Please, I'm begging um, you. But uh, I don't think we'll ever talk about Cloverfield Paradox. Um, um but, real quick, uh, yeah, we can we can just get into the movie though. Real quick, before we do do that, sure. so you guys obviously saw the movie when it came out. I actually the first time I watched the movie was about two, almost two years ago, exactly from when we're recording. Um, it might be actually two years ago from the day that this get, episode gets released. So I, I was late to the party. I wasn't into the ARG. Even without the ARG, this is a really great movie like the, yeah the first it's a time great I, monster movie i think once you know a little more background you could appreciate more about it but i did i loved it the first time i watched it i really mm. loved it on this rewatch um but yeah you, like you don't need the arg but just hearing you guys speak about the arg and seeing what I, I i found in my own little bit of research before we recorded it definitely does make it just that much more insane and yeah. see, I'm I'm very glad that you said that because that's a hard line that I kind of want to draw. And that I'm I'm an obsessive freak about a lot of things, and Cloverfield is one of them. And I love all of this ARG stuff, and I will certainly be peppering in some of it here and there. But the movie does stand on its own incredibly. Yeah. Yeah. It is tremendous on its own. And, and especially I, I, as a found footage. Oh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I don't I'm not a found want... footage fan, and this is like there's there probably three very... found footage there's probably three that i enjoy it's yeah. this uh the og blair witch and um creep because i haven't seen creep 2 creep 2 dude creep 2 i just watched for the first time a couple of weeks ago it's really good 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it's Creep One, but it's really good. I, I haven't seen either out. Creep. The first Chris, Creep is awesome. You, oh, it's so, so good. You, um, they're short, man. You could you could do like a double feature coming oh, out. Really? Like, for, yeah, they're very short. Yeah. Okay. Halloween's so, coming. You got to get some spooky movies. I know. For me, so for me with the uh, with the found footage, it's Cloverfield is at the top. Um, Blair Witch is uh, is obviously up there. Um, I've got an affinity for the VHS movies, uh, especially the first one. I think is really inventive. Um, and I'm gonna say what's definitely a controversial opinion, and that is that the first Paranormal Activity is kind of good. I. It all goes downhill after that, but the first one's good. Yeah, I think I've only seen one and two, and I think I I mixed them up, and that might be why I don't like one anymore. Oh, so I'm, I've seen every single one. Oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> because I, I, I don't, I've got, I've got a weird obsession with the Paranormal Activity movies that every time they were coming out, I was like, I gotta go see the Paranormal Activity movies. But the first one I think is, like I said, is, is really, really well done. I've never seen a single one of them, but I do have a three pack of the first three <laughs> so, that I purchased recently at big lots for 4.95 okay 4.95 that's a great price for that blue boys uh, mike dig into those like i said one is really good two is god awful mm. uh and i think three is okay what do you say to dig on this dig on this <laughs> call back to our last episode spider-man 3 uh really quick we just want to make a shout out to uh yankees relief pitcher zach Britton, who uh tweeted uh the emoji of the statue of liberty very clearly in anticipation of our episode of cloverfield so thank you for listening, zach what what an honor it is to have you thank uh, you zach i loved when you hit that home run no uh, no 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 he no he doesn't Michael. Have, no the he old ball it. game the he crack of the it. bat oh no uh, so let's see, Mike, do you want to just jump into the movie? Uh, considering I did offer that approximately 15 minutes ago, I'm going to say <laughs> yes. But wait, so, wait, 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 hold on. One more thing. Oh no. Uh, I'm okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> the film kicks off with a graphic from internal affairs. Would that be safe to say? Some sort of government agency. And it suggests that this is footage recovered at this site once known as Central Park. Which so is... automatically, you're thrown into the shit. It, you, automatically, you have to wonder, what happened? What candy is Chris eating right now while I talk? And <laughs> That would be a mini crunch bar. So we jump right from, the, from that, that opening graphic to footage April 27th inside the apartment of Beth... McIntyre's father, mm-hmm. where she is with her pal, longtime pal, Robert Hawkins. Your cousin. Yes. You know, Frank, we- I I really I really wasn't sure that we were gonna put that out there. And I was really hoping that honestly maybe you wouldn't because I, I honestly might- I feel terrible. I I forgot that we went over that we weren't gonna bring this up that it's a sore subject for you. But honestly this might this might be helpful for you, Mike, to to open up this wound and relive relive these painful memories. I know that you never really got to say goodbye. Talk so maybe it, this is your chance to to say goodbye to your cousins Rob and Jason Hawkins. Chris, you know I had considered that this is something that might have come up, and 
I really appreciate you giving me the platform to do this. It's something that I've been dealing with, uh, especially around this time of year, as we get a little bit closer to January, as we get a little bit closer to 118. Mm -hmm. It's something that starts to weigh heavy on me. And with this important platform, to be able to say, I don't really have anything to say about it. So they're in Beth's apartment, Rob and Beth, as we find out a little bit later on, this was their first time uh, consummating some form of a relationship. They've been longtime friends. And it is decided that they're going to go to Coney Island because Beth has never been to Coney Island. And this is all being filmed by Rob on his video camera. Mm-hmm. Flash, jump. It's now May 27th. It is Rob's brother, Jason. And his girlfriend, Lily. Lily. Lily, who I saw in something like fairly recently. I want to mm-hmm. say it was that Evil Dead remake. Hmm. There was an Evil Dead remake like a couple years ago, I right? I think it was like five years ago or something like that, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw her in that. So also, there's there's something weird. I, I don't know if, if this is purposeful with Lily, um, but I could not help but notice. But there are so many shots where it is not even on her face it's like basically at her chest and like i i i could like i don't know if that was on purpose that it's just like hey let's she's wearing like an open dress that's exposing her breasts kind of is hud a creep is that what you're suggesting maybe that it's trying to show that hud's a creep or maybe it's just like hey let's try to use her as eye candy like i don't i don't know what it was so just to play devil's it was so often that it could not be it, it couldn't be like just a coincidence. Just to play a devil's advocate might not be the correct term for what I'm saying, but it was Jason filming. So it is her boyfriend filming at the very beginning. Like when, yeah, it, but when then, it's her. But then a so, lot of the stuff when it's HUD filming, it's still the same, the same deal. I think we could chalk it up to just him being stupid. HUD being a creep. Yeah. Is she just really tall? Maybe. Maybe Lily is just <laughs> extremely tall. No. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm glad we thought about that one. <laughs> So Lily is setting up a going away party for Rob. Rob, who is moving on to be the vice president of marketing for the Japanese drink company Slusho, mm-hmm. who has the slogan, you can't drink just six. Ain't that the truth? Who said it, sister? Hell yeah. They hike up multiple flights of stairs to Rob's incredible apartment. Unbelievable. That apartment but- is... By the way, isn't he supposed to be like poor and like shitty before this? And then like he gets the big promotion and that's why like now he's all of a sudden able to afford things. Uh, I don't know that I ever really got the implication that he was poor and shitty. No, I never got that either. I I, I got that that he probably does well working for this company in the New York uh, office, but. I don't think he works for Slusho yet. Oh, he doesn't yet? No, I don't think think it's a new job. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe I'm projecting, but like <laughs> one of the things I said to myself, I was like, this apartment is way too nice for this bum. What are, what Incredible are we apartment. My goodness. Uh. And it is at the apartment where Lily gives Rob the job of documenting the night. And filming it, testimonials like, right. like at a wedding, yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, give, I said that she gives Rob the job. She gives Jason the job Jason because the job, it's Rob's yeah. party. Jason then very quickly pawns that off to their friend HUD. Hudson Platt, who is played by T.J. Miller. And Hud, he's a little bit of a wacky guy. He's mm-hmm. a little funny fella. Not, and, not T.J. Miller wacky, because then I would hate him just terribly. 
but mm-hmm. he, yeah. he's he's fun enough and wacky enough. And that's something to remember that at the time, T.J. Miller was relatively unknown, as was the majority of the cast. Yeah, he was at that point. He was just like an L.A. and New York-based uh, stand-up comedian, um, right? So yeah. watching it now, it, it, it's very obvious. Oh, I'm watching T.J. Miller. I'm listening to T.J. Miller mm-hmm. talk, you know, behind a camera. But at yeah, the time, this it was is... just, oh, who was this funny guy? Yeah, the the Mucinex mascot is filming this movie. Chris, hit me with a Mucinex man uh, impression. Uh, I'm, I'm mucus. Uh. Now, Mucinex <laughs> man filming the Cloverfield attacks. I saw it. Uh, it's huge. <laughs> You know, right, we'll, we'll see you next week, everybody. <laughs> oh, boy. Where was I? So HUD begins getting testimonials from people at the party. He's very excited to see a friend of Lily's named Marlena. Marlena Diamond, which is a hell of a name. Played by the incomparable Lizzie Kaplan. Love Lizzie Kaplan. She's great. HUD is very excited to see her. He makes it clear in interactions with other people that he has some sort of romantic interest in her. He approaches Lizzie Kaplan. Marlena, and in one of the funniest moments of the movie, he's, he reintroduces himself and says, I'm HUD. And Marlena, over the loud music of the party, looks at him and goes, Hug? <laughs> and as many times as, as I have watched this movie over the past 12 years, that scene will always make me chortle. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's the, the dynamic between the two of them is so great. Yeah. And then and he moves the camera away from his face, uh, and she and she plays it off as if as if she's like, Oh yeah, of course. Oh I I didn't I didn't recognize oh I didn't you recognize you with your the face. camera. Yeah, I didn't recognize you. It's then seen that Rob's friend, possible lover, who's to say? Beth shows up with a man named Travis. Travis, who don't worry. 25 years old, he drove his own personal car from the island of Manhattan back to his home in Weehawken, New Jersey for the duration of the attacks that happened later in this film. Canonically, Travis is fine. Nothing happened to Travis. And where did you get that information, Mike? I got that information from the investigation mode on the Blu-ray, which is this incredible feature that has the film itself in a box surrounded by a tracker following the LSA. It was an LSA, the large. Isn't it large scale? Large scale. Aardvark, um, what? It is LSA, abo- it's. Abomination? Large scale assailant? I don't good, remember. Good thing I erased all my notes that had what <laughs> LSA standard for. So the LSA, Clover the monster. Ha- <clears throat> I'm so glad you asked. The investigation (laughs) mode is this incredible feature, which features the film itself in a box, and it has a tracker showing the monster, the folks that are the main subjects of the film, and the military. So you can watch their locations on the Isle of Manhattan at any given time during the film, Mm -hmm. as well as various uh, case notes, because the, the whole presentation is that this is a case file and you're now being given the notes in from internal affairs or internal review or whatever government agency so that's where a lot of the fun facts and tidbits from the arg tie in because there's plenty of notes about hey how say uh ganu yoshida 
the CEO of the Tagaracho Corporation was visiting New York City at the time of the attacks and escaped right uh, or evacuated rather very early on in the attacks. Mm-hmm. And how he, uh, you know, how he had drinks thrown on him by the protesters, Tido Wave. That's where so much of the ARG is kind of put into practice because you're watching it in the context of the film as opposed to just looking at various websites and just mentally piecing it together. Here mm-hmm. you're being presented with the information literally side by side with the film itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the talk of this mode has me on the hunt for either a Blu-ray or a 4K of this. So expect that in the future Blue Boys is me picking up Cloverfield finally. Yeah. It's, it's a really incredible feature that I didn't know existed until uh, Monday when I watched it. Well, Frankie, Bobby, I got to tell you, Cloverfield 4K is like $9.99 at like Walmart and I think Best Buy right now. So now's uh, the time to jump on it. I'll be yeah. jumping on it as soon as I hit one of those stores and not the shitty one near me. Now, I watched just, I, just Chris, I got to go sure. on about this 4K. Sure. This 4K transfer with the HDR looked incredible and i've watched this movie so many times that i feel like i'm kind of qualified to say you know that that it looked great it looked Mm -hmm. i i was blown away the fact that i got it for 9.99 i was i was pleased as punch i just wanted to throw (laughs) it out there that it's it's a great transfer now i i just wanted to mention with the investigative mode because it, it leads to one of the major fan theories of the film which is that there are two monsters because on the investigative mode, Spoiler you kind alert. of see, yeah, you kind of see the monster uh, jumping around the map in in ways that it, you you would assume it wouldn't be able to get there uh, from where it previously was a minute ago. There, um, is, there is some questionable yeah. tracking on on that yeah. tracker of the Isle of Manhattan. There are some instances where the monster is in one spot. And then suddenly upon a, uh, the monster in the film appearing somewhere else, yeah. it, the blip just jumps across the, the tracker. Yeah. And it, it is it, it certainly seemed to be good evidence for that theory. But J.J. Right. J. Abrams and Matt Reeves have both said that it's not the case. Yeah, they, they've, Matt Reeves especially has said that the way that the, that the creature was filmed sort of just creates the illusion that there are different sizes in it and as well as the lighting. Uh, creating different shades. It is more or less confirmed on the bonus features, though, that the creature is a child that is lost and scared and confused mm-hmm. as opposed to maliciously attacking for yeah. some reason. Yeah. It, it is pretty much confirmed, that theory, that it is a scared child that's being attacked, so now it's fighting back you know, for survival. And now it's here. Also, if you fast forward to the end of the Cloverfield Paradox, the size of the mon- spoiler alert monster that shows up at the very end of that movie is much, much larger. Way bigger than the size of this. So you can only yeah. assume that that's a mother or a father or a what? An family, uncle. A fully grown. Yeah. An aunt. Ideally. Cousin. Yeah. A, a, an adult. A, a yeah. big boy. A neighbor. Pastor, a big boy with, boy with an eye, of course. Basketball coach. Oh, what have you? Yes. Any judge. Judge. <laughs> judge Clovey. Hmm? That's him or her. So I um, gotta tell you, Beth shows yeah. up at the party with this guy named Travis. Yeah. I've, oh, yeah, been, trying to, I've been trying to tell you about Travis <laughs> for seemingly hours. You already told us about Travis. He said that he's fine. He's in Weehawken. 
it's all it's almost like I was ranting about Travis and then said that I was mad about it and made us restart the whole thing. That's how long I feel like I've been talking about Travis. <laughs> Rob is not happy, of course, to see this girl that he's in love with show up with a, with another guy at yeah. his going away party, which honestly I did th- feel like was a bit of a strange move from Beth. Definitely a, a, a very passive aggressive move. Given the established history of their friendship. Yeah. It seemed like a, a strange move, also yeah, because th- that they went to Pound Town no no longer no more than a month ago. Is that like a like a cake shop? Like they no, have like pound that cake? is that is actually in the investigative mode. Um, it says at the beginning. <laughs> it pound says this right footage was at, recovered from Pound it, Town. It pound says Town's... Beth and Rob had just gone to Pound Town. <laughs> and... <laughs> you've never seen you've never seen Pound Town right next to Sephora. Yeah. It gives, but it gives the address right. It is a, a bakery that specializes in pound cake. It says yep. went to Pound Town, aka Beth's father's apartment. Right. Right. Yeah. I man, I knew his name earlier today. I knew his name. I want to say it was William. I think his name is William McIntyre. Mm. He's a he's a big wig at some sort of company. I mean, see, that's that's the kind of that information. Apartment. That's the kind of information that you can get from this. Well, that's ARG. why he has that apartment. Yeah, uh, I was going to say you could surmise that he was some sort of a big shot. Big that's unbelievable apartment. apartment that looks over Columbus Circle and 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 uh, Central sees Park Central Park. Distance. Yeah, but that's the kind of information that you can get from this ARG. You can find out where Beth's father works. <laughs> it gives you the answers to all the questions that you're thinking when you're watching the movie. Like, hey, who's that drunk girl on the couch? Or that, I mean, it does it does work? answer that. It does answer who the who the. <laughs> she might not be drunk. She might be dead. Because she ingests because that's that's Jamie. She ingests a bunch of uh slush seab- seabed nectar. In the slusho. Yes, slusho's secret ingredient is seabed nectar. Spoiler alert! It's a that's whole why thing. it's so addicting. Yeah, you you can't drink just six. <laughs> It's like me with a root beer. Yeah. Or me with a Diet Dr. Pepper. And don't even get Mike started with a hard root beer. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. That was the joke I was going for. Oh, my goodness. I once went over and he had 13 bottles of hard root beer at the sink. And he tried to play it off. He's like, oh, I had people over. You're not fooling anybody, Mike. Dude, 13. You have a night? problem. I'm not even worried about him getting drunk. I'm worried about like his blood turning into syrup at that point. Ooh. I got to tell you, I insisted to Chris that I had people over the day before and he was not having it. Well, maybe you should have invited him over the day before and maybe he would have enjoyed a root beer or two. Chris doesn't drink. What are you, straight edge, you fucking nerd? This podcast is over. Yeah, he is. What a fucking, what a dork. Where have you been? I don't know. You didn't get drunk with us in Atlantic City? No. I mean, none of us really got drunk. Hey, Frank, Uh, remember that time you broke a bed in Atlantic City? So, uh, spoiler alert. somebody else's body? Spoiler alert. I put uh, Elio through a bed with a German suplex. (laughs) Oops. The bed broke, and then we had to, then we had to, we told the person immediately. Basically. When I say immediately, I mean the next morning. Basically. Um, Legally, legally, I don't know if we should be disclosing this. I'm I'm friends with Chris because we got extorted by a Motel 6. (laughs) Yeah, see, we could leave it, I'll I'll, I'll leave that part in, because. Yeah. 
legally, I don't know if we should mention the rest. I'll tell I, everything. So uh, I don't think um, it's a Motel Six either. No, it wasn't a Motel Good. Six. But we'll, Good. We'll, yeah, we'll that we'll say for it was all a Motel intents and purposes, it was a Motel I, Six. I can't remember the actual tomato, game. tomato. Um, I remember it, but I'm not saying. Um. So. Uh, yeah, so Frankie broke the bed. We were about to leave for... We're really uh, doing this on the show. podcast? And... I just said no. <laughs> what are you doing, Chris? <laughs> Go on with the movie. Rob is upset. Rob is upset. It, it leads to all this commotion where HUD reveals basically to the entire party that Rob and Beth slept together. They have a fight outside. Travis and Beth leave. Rob is being consoled on a balcony by HUD and Jason. And that's when the blackout hits and that's when there's a big rumble and there's a big commotion which and, is one of the few jump scares in the movie is the yeah. the earthquake hitting and then the the rolling blackout which is extremely well done not telegraphed at all love a good jump scare when you're not expecting it and it's good because it's not a traditional horror kind of scare mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. like a realistic thing that could happen exactly yeah. it's not like later you get spooked by a monster a giant monster standing over you they go up to the rooftop after seeing a news report and they see a huge explosion, crash, boom, bang, clump, fireballs start raining through the sky and the head of the Statue of Liberty comes crashing down into the street. And that's when they know, oh shit, this is something serious. From there, we see that our boiled down core group of characters is Rob, Jason, Lily, Marlena, and HUD on the camera. Well, really quick, because with the Statue of Liberty, what's interesting about it is, first off, uh, in the trailer, it was much smaller, and it was, like, to to scale, but test audiences said that it looked too small, so they actually made it much larger than it actually is, so that it looked better on the street. Um, And I gotta tell you, just having watched both today... Mm-hmm. I watched that trailer with the smaller scale one. The second one looks better. It looks yeah. so much better. I understand yeah. the the idea of trying to go for realism. Right. But it looks so much better in yeah, the, the larger a, one. Yeah. It's a kaiju movie. I'm, yeah. not, I'm yeah. not in it for the realism. And, and the monster the monster throws it because uh, according to the investigative um, feature, uh, the monster was trying to eat the head and then became upset when it when it found out that it was not filled with Cadbury cream and tossed it into the city uh, right that that is that is canonical that the the monster is searching the Isle of Manhattan for a viable source of Cadbury cream for it to consume and then return to the ocean yeah of course it does not because And, and that's why it destroys everything it, it was it was May Easter had already passed. There just there there wasn't that it's much. Just not in stores. Yeah, it, and there was nothing anyone could do. The Cadbury factories are in the UK, I believe. Yeah, that's another that, that wrong island, man. Wrong yeah. island. The group decides that they need to try to evacuate the city, as does everyone. Pretty much all all the attendees of the party. They see the monster itself down the block. Yeah, just After hanging the, out. Yeah, after the uh, after the Statue of Liberty head comes flying down the street, uh, it destroys the Woolworth building, um, and HUD films it and sees the sees it kind of walking away. It doesn't really get a full look at it, but that's when he utters the the line. Uh, I saw, I saw it. it. It's, it's alive. It's, it's alive. Huge. It's huge. 
Which, they all they all hide in a convenience store. Marlena does not. Marlena does not make it into the convenience store. They find her outside, covered in dust and debris, mm-hmm. clearly suffering from some sort of shock or trauma. She utters the line to Lily, and it's very brief and fairly quiet. She utters the line, it was eating people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I gotta like, tell what, you. Wait, they're like, well, what? what? What's, what's this broad going on about? The lion was eating people? There is a, a brief lull which you would think like the Statue of Liberty head flying down the street wouldn't lead to a lull, but the, the Statue of Liberty head flying down the street lands and everybody gathered around it with their cameras. Yeah. It's such a wonderful, like, this is what the future is like touch that I just, I, yeah. I love it. Cause it's also like the, the, how does that not set off the panic? It takes a whole nother, building getting destroyed and the debris shooting down like shooting down the street um to get people to actually start panicking and running into those convenience stores yeah that that is one of the more fun like things to watch back because it it does feel very much like what goes on now when something's happening people are quick to pull out their camera phones and whatnot and film stuff completely agreed yeah they decide to march on and attempt to escape, which leads them to the Brooklyn Bridge. On their march to the Brooklyn Bridge, they encounter military, they encounter paramedics and EMTs tending to injured people, and no one is really willing to provide any answers. The military tells them, you just got to keep moving, you just got to keep going, nobody can be here. Really, no one either has answers or is willing to give them. They march on to the Brooklyn Bridge. The Brooklyn Bridge, which is packed with thousands of people, thousands of people it's packed it's crazy it's 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 rubberneck traffic bumper to bumper only it's people and underneath rubberneck traffic in yes cars. on 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 the top and the bottom low, lower level and upper level on the bridge as they're looking to escape rob receives a phone call from beth who seems to be in some sort of a uh, some sort of distress they decide well well rob decides rather that he's going to back away and try to take this call yeah he he basically slows down with, yeah he stays back to take if, the phone call yeah and that's what causes uh them to get separated from jason yeah jason, jason, of course is up ahead he's trying to get a better view he stands on a, a lamp post that's when the tail of the creature swipes through the bridge yeah There's, the brooklyn bridge has now been destroyed uh, for all intents and purposes he can't drive across it it, it basically that is destroyed. The tail and, basically hits Jason in the head. Like he is right at the point of impact. Yeah. So there's no gone. there's no chance of Jason surviving. Jason um, is gone. Yeah. And and one of the one of the really cool things about it is that um there's like a ruckus before it happens and HUD kind of points the camera down and you see everybody in the cars that's underneath running in the opposite direction. Uh uh, like running back towards Manhattan rather than going to Brooklyn. Yeah, they start um, getting out of their cars and yeah. running because yeah. they're lower, so they have a better vantage point. So they actually see what's coming before mm-hmm. the people up top do. And uh, it sure doesn't help everybody, but there are a couple right. of people on the lower level that got right. away a little bit. It is one of no. that's one of my favorite like touches. Was it's that really it's a really it good makes touch. sense that and, the lower level would see it first, right? And, and one of the big things regarding this scene is that HUD shows, uh, in HUD scanning the crowd, uh, there is another person with a camcorder 
uh, filming everything as well. Um, and this is one of the major things uh, in terms of a theory of a, of a possible sequel, one that J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves had both talked about and said that, yeah, there's a guy on the Brooklyn Bridge that has a camcorder as well. We see him, they kind of, he kind of looks at HUD and HUD looks at him. Um, and maybe a sequel could be from that guy's perspective. And I, I completely adore that concept. I think that's such an incredible way of looking at things. And mm -hmm. it was described on the bonus features how the film itself, and th this is one of my absolutely favorite methods of storytelling, how the film itself is akin to looking through a soda straw where you're only going to see what is at the, the end of that straw. Yeah. But there, there's a whole universe around it and you're only seeing this little scope of, of what there is. And I think that's so fascinating about Cloverfield. And that's something that JJ is huge on. I mean, Lost was that same way for the first season. Yeah. It was just these people on an island and then things started to open up. That is, I think, is just such a, a great way of storytelling. And it makes for so many possibilities and Cloverfield there's so many there's mm -hmm. just that idea alone of seeing the entire events of uh, case designated Cloverfield as it's referred to in the, the the bumpers on the film seeing that or seeing the perspective of all the ARG events happening for the Tagarato Corporation and the deep sea drilling and they, there's so many different perspectives because they created such a vast world between the ARG and just the idea of the film itself being this seismic event in the United States mm -hmm. that there's, or in the world really, that there's so many different perspectives and I'm so, so dying for them to do something with it. And 10 Cloverfield Lane was an interesting way of perhaps hinting at some sort of a, a joined world. Cloverfield paradox seemed to just say that everything's just alternate realities and that was kind of that. Cloverfield Paradox sucks. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that at some point we return to the Cloverfield world and get that direct sequel or at least something in this yeah. world. I think it was in 2018 or 2017 where they said that, where J.J. Abrams said, and, and Matt Reeves as well emphatically said, oh, a, a direct sequel is coming. And then, and then there has been nothing about it since. I got to tell you, I would maybe even go to a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if they dropped a, a Cloverfield, like direct sequel if right like, now, yeah, I'll, rent, like out, next, I'll rent out it. Yeah. If tomorrow we see a trailer that's like, oh, next Friday, there's the new Cloverfield. I'm on exactly the phone. I'm on the yeah. phone with my local Regal two minutes later saying, how yeah. can I rent a theater? Yeah. <laughs> um, that yeah. is one of the things they said also when they were saying the direct sequel was in the works. Um, it was after paradox oh, dropped on yeah, netflix and they said it will be a theatrical it will definitely release, be, so it will theatrical. be on netflix yeah which granted that was pre-covid so you don't really know yeah the big now but the big issue with paradox which somehow worked out very well for 10 cloverfield lane was that neither one was written as a cloverfield film yeah with 10 cloverfield lane they managed to take the script for i believe it was called the seller and they some they just worked it well and it ended up being great and it ended up being an interesting way of building the world but yeah. they did the same paradox. thing with cloverfield paradox but they did not work it well no and that's the, i think the key word there is work like yeah. it seems like they worked to make 10 cloverfield lane fit mm -hmm. as opposed to paradox where they were just like hmm 
that's a name we could slap on this thing and add a scene maybe at we the can very just, end. That's we, maybe we can just guy. throw the monster in at the end right before the credits. We've got these that. leftover Tagurato stickers from the ARG. Let's slap them on the inside of the space station. Kelvin, too. <laughs> Frank, tell me about Kelvin. Kelvin's the gas station that's in Super 8. It's also in 10 Cloverfield Lane, and it's also in Paradox. I think twice, actually, in Paradox. Is um, it in the first movie? It's not in the first movie, but, but I don't want to hear about it. We're Why talking, are we talking about it? We're talk, we talked about the other two movies, so prove it. Rewind the tape. Um, <laughs> so uh, they're, they're back yeah, the from bridge, they're back the from the collapses. store. The bridge the bridge collapses. Jason is dead. Rob is is arguably more concerned with getting his phone to work so he can hear from Beth. Yeah. Oddly, like I maybe you could say that he's in shock because he is in shock. Yeah, that's definitely but, part of it. Yeah. Uh, but um, it seems to be fine with it. Ultimately, <laughs> I, I think it's like a thing that he's in shock, and now he just saw his brother die. So now the only other person he cares about is he back, might yeah. have a chance to save. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck about HUD. Come on, Yo, fuck HUD. Well, I, he's and- he's like his main dude. Uh, another great bit of comedy yeah, early on yeah. in the movie. I think, I think you made a good point in bringing that up, Chris. But I do think it is revisited fairly well in the scene in the subway station when he calls his mom. Finally, heartbreaking processes. Heartbreaking. Yeah, and the majority of the dialogue is is not heard. No, it's mostly all you can really heard. All you can really hear. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, all you can really hear is him saying, "Rob's dead, mom." Jason. I'm sorry, Jason's dead, mom, and then breaks down. And it's. So maybe even more powerful that way, yeah. and it, it's incredible. So they they loot Rob loots a, a, a electronic store. They show SpongeBob on the TV. It, yeah. it's, a, a, it's great in, in in all the in all the newscasters. Yeah, like newscasters going about what's going on. Then there's a clip of the SpongeBob newscaster. <laughs> so good. That's the first time that we see the parasites SpongeBob, from the yes. creature. That's the first time that we see SpongeBob. That's the first time that we see the parasites falling from the creature. Yeah. It is estimated that there was approximately 2,000 of them oh that fell from the creature during its time on the Isle of Manhattan, mm-hmm. which is said to have been almost as much rationale for the Hammerdown Protocol as the creature was itself. Wow. Due to the violent nature of these parasites. Because, I mean, these things, they, they're referred to internally as human-scale parasites because they are the size of like a yeah like a person at least a, a, or, or a like, like a big dog adult yeah, yeah. like a, a big yeah dog. they're like adult yeah they're like a big dog like crab like thing yeah chris hit me with your impression of the parasites that okay, you said so that you had they're like running and stuff and they're kind of like <sighs> no that's not the noise i was thinking of i was thinking of the other one um oh, or it's like I, 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 I. oh okay yeah they do that like later in the uh, in the tunnel. Yeah. When they jump out of the dark, they go. I, uh, I can't fucking do it. This sucks. I think we should just start this over. Oh no. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I don't see. even think we're technically in the the subway yet. Like we're no, we're no, not. we're not. Would they see the parasites in the store or on the television in the store? They yeah, that's where the parasites are introduced to us. Yeah. It is decided via Rob that they have to go rescue Beth. Yeah. And Rob is is very steadfast about this. It, it's not up for discussion. He's extremely adamant, yeah. Whether you're coming with me or not, I'm going to Midtown to, to get her. He and they are and it's her. important to, to mention they are in like Soho. 
like yeah nowhere near midtown they're at the sephora in soho yeah which was actually the sephora in los angeles oh never mind i'm not into this now (laughs) movie magic Um, chris what happens next so uh yeah so they go um they're walking up the streets down to go to midtown um and in the middle of walking up the streets they get caught in between a firefight between the national guard and the monster um and this is maybe my favorite scene in the entire movie is when that the rocket it's a jump scare like a non-traditional jump scare where a missile shoots by their heads yeah hits the monster that they did not see yet yeah and all hell breaks loose around them where all you could hear because obviously it's through the video camera you can't hear anything but like Mm -hmm. a firefight and hud screaming across the street to his friends who cannot hear a word he said and he can't hear them um yeah rob points rob points to the subway station they run across the street they run down the subway stairs uh obviously no trains are are on schedule right now (laughs) typical mta um that fucking six train sucks but uh this this is is something this scene i'm sorry chris but this scene is something that i love about this film in that the only time that the, the the only minute that you can take a breath Mm-hmm. is when the characters have that downtime as well because the pacing of this movie is it's so non-stop. insane it's non-stop it's, yeah and it, it clocks in at an hour 24 yeah it does not feel like that and, and it i've got just, a note on that runtime as well later on it, it's just this this breakneck speed it's that fr- it's frantic yes it's like yeah. it's yes. like something's going on yeah right it, it's incredibly well done in that sense and you get down into this empty subway station and you actually have a minute to breathe, much like the characters finally do just sitting there. And this is where he finally, uh, this is where he finally calls his mom and tell uh, Rob calls his mom and tells her about Jason. Um, And now for, especially when it came out, a lot of people took issue with this saying that he would never be able to use his (laughs) cell phone in the subway station. (laughs) But as I was actually reading this may be a savvy case of truth in television since the MTA was actively wiring subway platforms for cell service, specifically so that riders can use their phones during emergencies. So at the time, he may have been able to have gotten cell service in that, in that instance. Interesting. So indeed, after much of Manhattan had been smashed into oblivion, the subway station might be the only place where you can still get cell phone service. Hell yeah. I've got it's another also, subway station. Oh, go on, Frank. It, so on, on the point of it being like the only moment where you could breathe. So it's right after this incredible, like super loud, super crazy moment. And now you finally get a second to breathe. But with everything that's going on, it's also very unnerving that it's so quiet. And it, yeah. it is that moment to breathe, but you're like, all right, what the fuck's going to happen now? Especially you have it in your head that the parasites are around. You're waiting for something to come down the stairs and come get them like that. That mm-hmm. both times I watched it because I, I couldn't remember what happened right after, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was waiting for something to walk down the stairs 
yeah. to come get them yeah. at any moment or for the roof to cave in or some bullshit to happen. Because you see, yeah, you see the like the the dust between the the ceiling tiles falling as the as they're fighting up up above them. Yeah, um, as the every time the monster takes a step, it's it's so good. Yeah, but but Rob finds the subway map and sees, hey, this is only like 50 blocks away. We can just walk up the subway tracks, the 50 blocks, and get to Beth no no problem. And uh, they decide to go with him. But it's- well, one thing one thing I want to mention about the sure. subway station is sure. that, and this was a fun fact brought to you by the investigation mode on the Blu-ray, Ooh. is that at the time of the Hammerdown Protocol, which I know I've mentioned at least once before, and that's you know the big climax of the film, at the time of the Hammerdown Protocol, it is estimated that thousands were still in the subway stations across the island. Wow. Thousands of people were still in the subway stations at the time of the Hammerdown Protocol. <laughs> so it seemed great. So the only thing I could think of to how that would make sense, by the way, is that they were probably already on the move and probably already far enough north maybe because you don't see anybody else you would think you would that many people you would see somebody but i guess yeah. maybe they're out of the they, they could have been in other stations yeah but, i mean it so, is a little peculiar that this one was entirely empty yeah yes. right that there's not at but, least one other person yeah but they're walking up the uh they're walking down the subway tracks um between in the tunnel between coming... spring street and the lexington avenue stations yeah and um, this walk takes place over may- maybe five minutes of movie time. But it's, it's a H- very, lo- very, yes. very long time. Yeah, Because HUD recorded so little footage from it, it's a 3.5 mile walk, and it took approximately 60 to 65 minutes for them to complete. Yeah, But it's only about five minutes in, in movie time. Yeah. Um, and in, in this whole thing, there's a very, a very funny... Uh, line between HUD and and, uh, and Marlena where HUD is talking about Superman and Marlena asks him if he knows who Superman is uh, and she says it's very eerie and then she turns around and goes are, are, are you aware of Garfield? <laughs> I've been saying are you aware of Garfield for years. I, I love it. It's um, so funny. So they're walking and then all of a sudden they realize that there are rats uh, running away from them. Um, yeah, running past them, running droves, through their feet in droves, all yeah, running in the disgusting. same direction. And so, I gotta tell you, uh, Marlena says that it's disgusting. I, I've never been grossed out by rats, and you, you see, because you and Marlena both said it was disgusting. I gotta ask you, what's disgusting about it? I think them rats are filthy, and they're running at my feet. Yeah, I think no, them they're running scurrying. past your feet. I think them oh. scurrying across your the top. They're not of your running feet. straight to your feet and stopping. <laughs> Oh my god. I misunderstood the scene. I think them scurrying across your ankles is more than justifiable. I don't know, man. I had a pet mouse once. It had giant balls. Mice mice are different than rats. They're just smaller. That rats are much dirtier than than mice. And also depends on where they live. Yeah, but you like possums too. I do like possums. (laughs) Yeah, I Um, do. Holy uh, shit, you lit up. (laughs) (laughs) I do like possums. Um so they're like, man, well, this is really weird. We can't see anything. HUD says, hey, I've got, I've got some, the, the night vision on this. I'll, I'll turn that on. Cause you know, Rob's standing a foot away from him and we, and we can barely see him on screen. Uh, he turns on the night vision 
and uh rob is like so like grainy and and completely washed out because of the night vision and uh and right behind him hanging from the ceiling are those big old parasites and they come down off the ceiling and they start trying to attack and chris what Uh, was that noise that they make yeah yeah Yeah, that's the one (laughs) um so they do that and they fight the parasites but one of the parasites gets a little nibble of Mar- of Marlena's uh, b- back shoulder area. I feel so bad for Marlena because she's the only badass that actually like beat the shit out of one of these yeah. things. Yeah. She picked up the pipe or the whatever. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that one of the the little uh, Clovey boys? No, that's me in the fall. <laughs> um. Mike yeah, is she... showing us a picture of a possum eating a pumpkin. What is it eating? A pumpkin? It's got a pumpkin in its mouth. So Look, it's like a quibby, it changes. Uh, so uh All right, yeah. so Marlena uh they get they get some aquafina, they pour it on Marlena's shoulder. Uh they don't drink the aquafina because it's a bad water. Probably shouldn't be used to clean wounds either because it's fucking terrible. Um so uh yeah, and Marlena starts uh starts being real nice to HUD because she's getting uh she's she's got a lot of a lot of emotions and maybe maybe some Maybe some venom going through her veins. And all of a sudden, her personality has changed. They get out of the Lexington station. They're suddenly in a big department store that's at one at the Lexington Bloomingdale's. station. Yeah, Bloomingdale's. And it's it's dead quiet. And this is the second moment of peace after the first subway thing. And as they're going through, uh, suddenly they hear uh suddenly they have guns drawn on them and it's the military and bloomingdale's has turned into a military base and triage unit at that point the uh marlena starts bleeding from the eyes Uh, i don't feel so good i don't feel so good and then they go we've got a bite and then they grab marlena they bring her over into quarantine where she explodes she does she literally my note is yes my note is literally poor Marlena has to explode. RIP. Yeah. Her 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 body, her torso explodes. It's explained again in the investigation mode that this is slightly quicker than the average t- uh, time of death, the, than the average window from the other bites. <laughs> it is it is explained that Marlena died within twenty minutes of being bitten when. Typically, all the other cases they had studied were from within 20 to 40 minutes of being bitten. Hmm. Which, as you're walking through the triage, you actually see, like, a soldier that has... Yes. It looks like he has a bite on his arm in a similar place. And his tummy looked exploded. His whole torso is blown apart. It is also postulated that the water poured onto the wound is what accelerated her death due to it reacting with the either saliva or venom of the parasite, yeah. which is the the yellow uh, that you could see around its mouth of the dead one in the, the triage. Mm-hmm. Now, a little interesting thing with the parasites, originally they were puppets, but yes. the puppets apparently looked terrible when they were doing it, so they had to redo the scene with CGI. Uh, now, so did you see the puppet? Halfway decent. I've never seen anything with the puppets. There's uh, bonus features of, on the Blu-ray that shows the puppets. I'll check it out with the puppets. They look they look fine it, it wouldn't have worked okay. you know what i mean like they, they yeah, look yeah. fine 
and they're great for like reference for the actors but it, it had to have been cg i was gonna say you is know? it one of those like yeah. it looks good static but once it starts moving you're like all right forget well this. one of the puppets is the one that gets pulled away uh the the dead one that gets mm-hmm. pulled away that mike just alluded to that's one that's clearly one of the puppets but yeah in in action it wouldn't work because it's got to be so fast and vicious and and it needed they needed two people to operate it because one had to move it and then one had to work the jaw mechanism so it just it, it would have been too much mm-hmm. and it probably wouldn't have paid off and that's another thing that i had forgotten that i wanted to mention the cg uh, the cgi the, the the visuals everything in this i think help hold up i think they hold up really I think well holds up so well there's one or two scenes that it shows its age a little bit but overall this is like this looks great yeah 12 yeah. years later there's there's one where where they're uh fast forward a little bit where they're in the apartment building trying to get beth and they close the door on the on one of the parasites, and it sort of looks like the parasite is like coming through the door, a little bit. I didn't even I think, notice that. No, it, that I, I know me, when you're talking like, about. Yeah, that looked like iffy, but everything else looks looks so good in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's really still twelve years yeah. later. I mean, that's it that's a really, testament yeah, to the really. work they did. And this and this is after a. You know, we just we just watched Spider Man three, which is the year before, and looks terrible. Except that so, sand, that sand, and had a much and it had a much 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 larger budget. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all the sand, but yeah. So she explodes. Uh, the military tells them, "Hey, uh, we're going to be leaving at oh uh, six hundred hours." At at this point, it's about three thirty or so, or three forty. Uh, they say at 0600 hours we are going to be leaving and getting and and uh, and blowing up everything. And they go, what? The, like blowing up the monster? And he goes, no, blowing up Manhattan. Yes, the government is considering the hammer yeah. down protocol, which means yeah. we're going to let this whole area go. And that's when Rob asks, you mean Midtown? And oh, the sorry, soldier, yeah. And the soldier responds, I mean Manhattan. And yeah. that's when you're hit with the gravity of the situation that as as insane as it already is it's now reached the point that the government is willing to let go of the island of manhattan right so um, did anybody else yeah. like really like love that military guy like he's only in it yes. for, like, he's really good whatever yeah. it is but yeah. he like immediately he he has like the gravity of a military mm-hmm. guy that's mm-hmm. in that sort of situation that knows what's going on like immediately he's maybe my favorite character in the movie and he's in it for what maybe five minutes like yeah, he's, he, he, he's, he's so good he's really really good um so they they go walking down uh down to uh her apartment by columbus circle uh we see the eeriest shot in the film which is an empty horse-drawn carriage walking a, walking across the street uh so very spooky. slowly with like debris falling and stuff a um, great shot an yeah. absolutely great shot like that's there's so many things of that nature that help make this so memorable. Yeah. That really lended to it. And it was also mentioned again in my beloved investigation mode that this horse was, quote, merely fortunate. And that other amateur video footage showed the creature consuming several horses at once. Jinkies. One of the... Uh, so they, they, they get to her building and see that it is... Uh, broken and leaning onto another building. Which and is another so, awesome shot. 
Yes. And so HUD, HUD asks, uh, that's her building, right? Yeah. Uh, please tell me it's on the first floor. No, the 37th. Uh, so they have to climb up the building that is still standing, not go in the elevator because the elevator is broken, obviously. And they go up 60 some odd flights of stairs to get onto the roof of the topped, the topped over building. In this whole thing, HUD has a really good line that kind of makes you think about a lot of stuff. Like in terms of like now, he says, maybe they're in on it. Maybe our government made this thing, which is seems like every time there's some kind of massive thing, everybody thinks that the government made it and is behind it. Um, Are you suggesting that HUD might have been QAnon? HUD might have been QAnon. Um, HUD does come off as a flat earther. <laughs> So yeah, so they get they get to Beth's apartment. There is a metal piece of of I'd say like rhubarb. Like, Reb- re- rhubarb? <laughs> is, is that is rhubarb? It rhubarb? I'm, I'm gonna look that up. I think it's, it's rhubarb. rhubarb. No, I no, no, it's rhubarb. It is not rhubarb. Sweetie, oh, no, delicious, delicious pie. Oh, uh, right, rhubarb right. is a vegetable. right through her, right, right through a, her there's shoulder. There's a piece of a vegetable sticking through her. Yeah, it's rhubarb. Rhubarb. Sorry. Uh, yeah so it is rebar oh wouldn't you know it it is rebar i told you mike oh good Uh, i'm glad nobody said that so it is rebar uh sticking through her back and and chest uh they each at this point is only rob hud and lily uh they each lift her off of the rebar rebar and and right and go to safety uh in in the meantime they see the monster in the distance destroying things again uh beth who has been unconscious throughout the entire thing uh asks what is that thing and uh hud says it's a it's it's a terrible thing <laughs> terrible thing <laughs> it's such and, a good pop. yeah it got me so good yeah. i love that line and then they and then they find the parasites and she goes <laughs> what are those things and he goes oh, those are also I terrible. don't know. <laughs> he goes, and I quote, I don't know, something else. Also terrible. terrible. <laughs> and it's, so, it's so great because there's such gravity to the scenes of them climbing the flights and flights of stairs yeah. and finding Beth and removing the, the rhubarb from her. <laughs> there's so much gravity to it. And them trying to scale the, the angled roof of the tipped yeah. over building. It's all, it's incredible. And it's done more or less in real time. So right. you're really you're feeling the, uh, the the difficulty of this, and then to just be able to break in with that simple HUD comedy is yeah. perfect, just to yeah. lighten the mood just for a second. Totally. Um, and then at that point, we they they get to the helicopters at about uh, ju- I think I'd say just before they're set to take off. Yes, they uh, had 20 minutes to spare from yeah. the time that they left Beth's building. Yeah. And they had a mile and a half to go. Yeah. So they get to the helicopter just in time. They get separated. Lily gets on another helicopter to go. Uh, the three of them being Rob, Hud, and Beth are on another helicopter. And as they are taking off, uh, a B-2 bomber flies in and uh, starts laying, I'd say, tens of bombs onto the uh, onto the monster, encapsulating it. And we think that it is gone. And then the monster does a little, a nice little uh, trick to you and jumps up and attacks the helicopter, which spins out and crashes in Central Park. Which so was, a question it, that I that, want to pose. Sorry, Mike, that made me laugh so hard 
because again knowing that it's like a little child like it, it's a baby of whatever species mm-hmm. it is like it just it getting attacked from the sky looking up and the first thing it sees being the just being what it thinks attacked it yeah it, it made me chuckle a little not only because of of course that's what it would do but why the fuck is this guy sightseeing while he's trying to fly out of there? Like, what are you doing? Get away. What happens if a bomb misses trajectory and hits your, hits your helicopter? Mm-hmm. Like, get the fuck out of there. What are we doing? When the helicopter that Beth and Rob and HUD are in begins to take off, you see another helicopter go down. Another a helicopter crashes right as they're beginning to take off and my question is is that the helicopter that lily was on that's what i that's what i thought is that in the investigative mode does it say it does not it is not said and the characters do not react to it but there's no other indication of what happened to lily so I didn't realize that was a helicopter. I thought that was just debris because in between the two helicopters taking off, first helicopter with Lily takes off, monster shows up, like everything gets chaotic. And then finally they have a, like a split second where they could get in the second helicopter. Yeah, I don't know why I thought it was a different helicopter that, that crashes. Uh, yeah, I, it could I don't be. think it was... I, I think it was just debris in, from the monster. Yeah, just, we just in, don't find out what happens to Lily. Yeah, in, my, in my mind, Lily got to safety. And Lily's yeah. the only one that got to safety. Yeah, that's that's what I thought also. But uh, yeah, so they they crash into Central Which, Park. And it's an incredible scene, the POV crash. Yeah. it's it, and just The, you, the you sirens hear going off. The, the sirens yeah, and the, the radio, alarms, and you, yeah. you hear Beth freaking out. Yeah. This helicopter pilot, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, was Douglas Inhorn. He piloted 13 rescue missions during Case Designate Cloverfield. Well, Doug's a fucking idiot, because what was he looking at? Doug was get, a hero. Get, lo- get lost, Doug. No. Get he did island. get lost. Didn't you see what happened? <laughs> yeah, sorry. 13 rescue um, missions, Frank. Real 13. quick. So when they're spiraling out of control, that's actually an homage to um, the OG King Kong. Well, I thought you meant it was an homage when, to my life. Go on. When one of the uh, the planes spirals out of control yeah. after he swats it, shouts out King Kong. So they uh, they they awake they crash sometime later. It's um, now daylight. Yeah, like so, fully daylight. Yeah, presumably maybe an hour or so later, maybe more. And uh, all of this time is the, tracked on the investigation mode and on the camera, on the um, yeah, like the timestamp on the camera. Yeah, you can track this time following them, like watching the movie itself. We just don't have the numbers in front of us, right? So, uh, yeah, so they uh, they drag Rob out of the of the wreckage, uh, who seems to be badly hurt. Uh, all of a sudden, and, and, and after they drag Rob out, HUD puts his camera down to do so. He runs back to get the camera, and then all of a sudden, the monster is above him, staring at him. Which and it, is another one of the great shots of the movie. Such a good the shot. The CG yeah. is so good, yeah, and it's so, like, it's such a calm but intimidating, like, scary moment. It's you. There's a curiosity to the monster's face. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. see it's not like a viciousness. You can see there's like a, a curiosity to it. Right. Of course, this scene. And then it eats. It eats all HUD. It yes. This scene is one that's always been up for a lot of scrutiny, in the sense that 
how did they not notice this giant monster behind them as mm-hmm. they exited the helicopter? Which I, I'm willing to suspend the disbelief. Like it's it's something that's never particularly bothered me, but I, I can see why people would have that complaint. I know, agree. This, this yeah. monster is huge. You're telling me they don't see this thing just hanging out? And yeah. especially you're figuring that it just got it just got hurt for the first time in the movie. You would think it would be a little clumsy, make a little bit of noise. But I, I think a, an easy way to play it is they were just in a fucking helicopter crash. Like mm-hmm. their yeah, senses might little, not all be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably so, of concussions. Yeah. Yeah. So there is uh, HUD turns around. Like you said, there's the great shot of the monster from the perspective from below the monster. And it picks up HUD with its mouth and it snaps HUD in two. You hear mm-hmm. the loud snap of HUD's body splitting mm-hmm. in two. And then and the incredible shot of the camera and HUD falling to the ground, maybe a hundred feet. And then landing in the camera, trying to autofocus on yeah. dead HUD. It, it's, yeah. it's incredible. It, it, that's truly one of the best, most distinct scenes of the entire movie. I think truly one of the most distinct, like if you were to bring up Cloverfield and you were to think what are the signature scenes of Cloverfield, Mm -hmm. I think you automatically go to the Statue of Liberty. Hey, yeah. Yeah. I think you automatically go to this scene. Mm -hmm. And I think those are probably the top two. You know, I, I mean the, the bridge collapsing that we'll get to in a minute is up there the attack on the other bridge early on uh, with the death of Jason is up there. But I think the two most distinct, visually uh, impressive, not in the sense of, oh, wow, that looks great, but impressive as in making an impression on someone Mm -hmm. are the Statue of Liberty head and this scene. They're movie moments. They're not like, they're not film moments. They're movie moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and so like Mike, like you said, the the bridge scene. So after HUD dies, Rob grabs the camera. He and Beth run under a little uh, a little walk bridge, um, a little footbridge, I should say, in Central Park. Um, and they both make their testimonies to the camera, saying who they are and and what has happened today. Uh, and then more bombs fall, and uh, it destroys the bridge, and they presumably meet their demise 12 years later that scene still gives me goosebumps yeah rob begins to give his testimonial and and then he gives it to beth and she says i don't know what to say yeah literally the thought of it right now is giving me goosebumps that was that scene for whatever it is just resonates with me so much mm-hmm. and odette's performance as beth is so incredible in that scene it, it's it's perfect yeah, and uh, the way they shot this scene, I, I can't, I can't get into the full mechanics of explaining it. But if you were to watch the bonus features, which it's chock full of, and it's so recommended, it's insane to see. It, it's this beautifully crafted film, and it's just literally these two people sitting on, against a brick wall, mm-hmm. and they've got a tarp that they're slowly pulling up over the end to stop the light from coming in mm-hmm. as the rubble buries them. It's so simple but it's so effective and yeah. that that's yeah. that's the end they're yeah. presumed to be dead there are glitches in the camera and it cuts back to that first day when they're on coney island and they're on the ferris wheel it's a beautiful shot the camera the battery beeps to indicate that it's low battery 
And right in that moment, you see coming down in the corner of the screen, something in the background shoots down into the ocean. That, of course, being the chimpanzee satellite of Tagarato, of Bold Futura, crashes down, presumably putting all the pieces together. That satellite crashing is what awakens the monster from its undersea home. I was going to say, not only that, what was I can't remember it and I forgot to write it down. What was the line that Beth says? Like the last line of the movie. Yeah, I had a good day. Just watched her presumably die. I had a good day. Freezes on her face. Oh, it's so good. Oh my God. I have goosebumps. Guys, I fucking love Cloverfield. And I feel like no matter how much we talk about it, I'm never going to feel like I adequately conveyed how much I love and adore this movie. It's the kind of thing I can talk about for for hours and hours. I mean, if, if you want to, if somebody listening wants to hit me up and just talk about Cloverfield <laughs> for hours on end, I'm more than willing to. Hopefully it at least comes across how much we love it. But I, I do just want to throw that out there as we're, we're hitting the end of the film that I feel like no matter how much is said, I cannot adequately convey what an incredible film this i think this is truly as close to perfect as you can get definitely um and i think two of the more interesting things about it um with the way that it's filmed uh tj miller legitimately filmed about a third of the movie with with, through the camcorder um and that's just something so unique that does just does not happen And one of the tidbit that I had in terms of the running time of the film uh, without credits is about 80 minutes, which is the length of a, of a long running mini DV tape, uh, which would have been the tape that was in the camcorder. Wow. I, I had never heard that. I'd never considered that. That's That's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) The credits roll, the incredible theme roar by Michael Giacchino plays incredible. And the credits roll, and you get to the end, and you're hoping for something. You're hoping for for more. And you hear the staticky audio. You can barely even make it out because it's, it's distorted, it's staticky. But you hear, help us. And if that audio is played backwards, it says, it's still alive. So when I was just watching, I did... The, the first time I watched it, I listened, I said, I don't really hear it. When I would listen this time, I, I made sure I stayed till the end and I played it back like three or four times. I still couldn't hear it. So I made sure that I like pulled it up on YouTube. If you, if you do hear it or if you pull it up on YouTube, the help us is spooky as hell. Mm-hmm. But the, it's still alive. Like that, that playback of the, the reversed sound is like, oh, like spine tingling how i have i have such distinct memories of i went and saw this with my dad if not opening night it was very early on and stayed through the credits and heard the noise and couldn't totally figure out what it was and upon following it online and reading everything and reading that it said help us i went back and saw it again with the distinct intention of staying through the credits and hearing this again. And I remember, I don't remember what theater I was in, unfortunately, usually I have a good memory for this, but I remember the the theater was empty at that point, except for my dad and I. And I, for whatever reason, approached the screen 
as if getting closer would somehow help me make out th this audio. And I approached the screen and I heard it. And when I heard that help us, like you said, Frank, it scared the shit out of me. I, 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 had, I, I felt it run up my arms, they, these tingles, when I actually heard it in the audio in this empty movie theater as I stood right next to the screen for some reason. <laughs> but it's, it's just imprinted in my mind. It, it's incredible. There's so much that can be said about Cloverfield. So much. Um, and I think the perfect thing to say about it is that it's a nearly perfect film. And uh, like you said, we all love it. One of the most um, important movies, I think, in terms of my fandom um, and, and definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. A merchandise spotlight that I wanted to point out to you guys because Cloverfield has had so little merchandise over the years. It is such a woefully under-merchandised movie. And of course, you guys know I'm a bit of a collector with too many things. So if there was anything Cloverfield, I would presumably have it. In January of 2008, Hasbro, of course, one, you know, argue, maybe the biggest toy company in the world, released a toy of the Cloverfield monster, which I have just sent both of you three pictures of. Oh, shit. This was Real released time, in January 2008. It stands over a foot tall. It has 70 <laughs> points of articulation. Jesus. Authentic sound. Ten parasites. Two interchangeable heads. A Statue of Liberty head accessory. And special Cloverfield Collector's Edition packaging. Where the inside of the box could be turned into is a, a scene from the film, essentially. A, a base where it stands in front of wreckage in the city. I was at New York Toy Fair in 2008 and I saw the unveiling of this item. And I thought to myself as, as a 16 year old, 17 year old, I thought to myself, eh, it looks fine, but it was 99.99. And at that point, my thought was, oh golly, this is too much. I'm not paying that much for this. And now I sit here 12 hours removed from scrolling through eBay with a tear in my eye, looking at the cheapest ones being just over $700. Jesus. And they're not sealed anymore. You can't find them sealed in the box. You find them all with that display already unfolded and cut up and everything. No. But because my dumbass in 2008 had to pass up $99.99 from Hasbro, I now sit here and look at that item and I weep. I weep for what could have been. I could look over there and I could have seen a big Cloverfield monster, but no, I look over there and I see shit. I mean, we could just hold out hope. I mean, I do, on... I do see cool stuff, actually, but stuff. <laughs> we could hold out hope that uh, the great Necca, NECA the great NECA, NECA toys, maybe will put out. Maybe not that size. No, I want that, that size. size. Is, that size is incredible. But they are doing the 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 releases that they've been doing of like horror movie icons. Mm -hmm. I could definitely see getting one, getting a Cloverfield monster in that scale. We can only hope, yeah. That is that is a sweet, sweet action figure, though. Sweet, sweet uh, toy. What are our ratings? Eight out of eight. Whatever <laughs> our metric is, it's it's the tops. It's... Oh, based on Letterboxd, originally I had it at four stars. I now I bumped it up to four and a half stars. I definitely enjoyed it more this time. Yeah, I have it as four and a half. I'm gonna, I'm going to say a nine out of ten. I I also have it as four and a half. Yeah. 
I, I think maybe that's our rating system. I think maybe we just give our letterbox numbers. Okay, yeah, sure. I think that's the easiest way to do it. Sure. I mean, Check it us out on Letterbox. To, yeah. It, may, it should, makes sense to me. Should we move on to Blue Boys? I think um, with it being just after midnight, I think we're collapsing Blue Boys. Okay. No Blue Boys? All right, no I Blue think, Boys. I think, I think we collapse Blue Boys I'm till next week. Totally fine with that. I, I know. Well, that's the thing. I see Chris yeah. struggling not to fall asleep. I have a whole stack of things. We'll talk about them next week. I do have a picture lined up that I'll post to the – Instagram and the Twitter, or just the Instagram. I don't know. I'll post of, a picture too. Of, yeah, my Criterions and the the other collection that I got. Speaking of Instagram and Twitter, if you want to follow the uh, if you want to follow feature presentation, we're at FeetPresPod on Twitter and Instagram. So be sure to follow us there. That way, you could get pictures of our Blue Boys segments, uh, see the stuff we picked up, see maybe a little sneak preview of what episodes coming out, stuff like that. Uh, on top of that, real quick, uh, I'm at Frankie Furio on Twitter and Instagram. Also, I believe that's my letterbox is at Frankie Furio or just Frankie Fermonti. And of course, I have a sports podcast also uh, at 914 Sports. Check that out. Or hashtag 914 Sports. The hashtag silent though. I don't know. I'm not good at plugs yet. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Underscore Perk and my letterboxed. I was wrong last week. My letterboxed is CPerk92, or you can just look up Chris Perkowski. My Twitter is at WindUpSoup, W-I-N-D, Up Soup. With that said, now comes the time, as it does every week, when I enter the randomizer and we find out our film for next week. Woo! Guys, do you have any hopes? Do you have any wishes? I mean, um, I, I think we've had two fun movies and I just want to keep up the fun. I would like another fun movie. I would like to not make picks because after you devastated me with Spider-Man 3, after I thought it was going to be Goodfellas, <laughs> I, I don't want to get my hopes up anymore. Frankie, baby, I got to tell you, your hopes should be up. Uh oh, Your hopes should be high, my friend, Uh-oh. because next week, Uh oh, the 2017 hit Murder on the Orient Express. Ooh, I haven't seen that, so I actually need to watch that for the first time. I haven't time. seen it either. Mike has told me to watch it since it came out. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I saw it alone it in theaters thanks to MoviePass. Shout it out. was right, a great experience. Sweet. I, I might double feature with the, the old one. The, the nope. What is that, 70s? Nope. Double it is. Just the nope. new one. Just the new one. Just the new Just, one. No, I'm saying and I might personally double feature. No, nope. I haven't seen either. You now won't, do it. No, you won't. Just the new one. Okay. So tune right. in next week for Murder on the Orient Express from 2017, <laughs> and you might hear a little tidbit about something that Dame Judi Dench does in the movie. Oh, boy. Oh, Mike's excited. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, check out that social media. Uh, Cloverfield is great. Hell yeah. Absolutely. See you guys next time.